0: And these are the Money Minutes. Today, Victoria locks down business. What impact will it have on jobs and the national economy? Hi, thanks for your company. Look, today I want to try and break down the closure of industry in Victoria. Uh, The Prime Minister has been out today talking about the impact on the national economy. We'll play you some of what he had to say today, maybe try and break it down a little bit for you, and also speak with the Chief Executive of the Australian Industry Group, Innes Willicks, who will not only tell you about the flow and effect into the national economy and businesses, but also then the flow and effect into jobs and employment and how it is a long-term plan or project to try and get Victoria and therefore the national economy out of these doldrums and how we can't pretend or presume that this is going to end anytime soon and only the way it will end is ultimately with, potentially, he says, thousands of companies that could face bankruptcy. So, again, it's sobering, but it's necessary we talk about this because it's times like these that we have to well, band together to try and come up with the, the national good. It's times like these that we've got to recognise that people are hurting, that businesses yeah, are hurting. It's times like these. It's times like
1: like these
0: time So what I've done is put together some of the clips from the Prime Minister's press conference today where he talked about the impact of the closures in Victoria on the national economy. Uh, And reading between the lines, what you get the sense of is that the Prime Minister is really trying to explain to people that the recession now in Victoria is much deeper than ever anticipated as a result of the closures. That's pretty much self-explanatory, but it's the flow and effect of the rest of Australia that really I think many people will underestimate and not really appreciate just how significant these closures are. And indeed bearing in mind that right now, there is no end to this. There's a an expected end somehow, somewhere out into the future. But it's not close. And that is where the long-term implications, the long-term hurt for our economy, for our future taxpayers, who ultimately will have to dig us out of this hole, that's where it really comes in. So here's the Prime Minister today.
1: 80% of this economic cost is expected to be in the affected areas of Victoria, of around $6 to $7 billion to 7000000000 dollars in, those, in that state. The remainder represents a preliminary estimate, and I underline that, of the broader impact on confidence in other states and supply chain impacts uh, from the shutdown of certain industries in Victoria.
0: There's said to be around 250,000 Victorians stood down from their jobs or told to stay home from work. There's already potentially another 250,000 people who'd already been stood down and another half million people who are already working from home. So this is only going to place a heavier burden. All retail stores are required to close, except for those seem to be essential, such as supermarkets, bottle shops, convenience stores, petrol stations, pharmacies, post offices, hardware, though Bunnings Bunnings's delivering to homes, and car parts. Uh, so that's one of those interesting things. Meat production. Businesses must reduce their production by a third of peak capacity. Supermarkets are required to reduce distribution centre workforces by a third of their peak level. It's the reason why people are worried about whether there'll be enough goods in the supermarkets. The Premier of Victoria couldn't even guarantee that, for example. In other areas, it must close. Metallic mineral products, fabricated metals, furniture, wood products, leather, textiles, knitted products. Some manufacturing can stay open. Say, for example, aluminium smelting, uh, food and beverages, medical, me- medical equipment... Uh, telecommunications infrastructure, fertiliser, glass products, and so forth. So it's going to be pretty bad. Construction sites have got restrictions. They can only have a maximum 25% of the normal employees on site. Buildings of three storeys or less must have a maximum of five workers, including supervisors, on site. It has a big impact. Banks can open, but you know others can only op- operate outside the office, insurance and super funds, for example. Now, there's no impact on horse and greyhound racing, you know, there, there are limits. Uh, there's only broadcasters allowed, There no media. In the wholesale trade, motor vehicle and motor vehicle parts wholesaling, furniture, floor covering, coverings and other goods wholesaling is closed. Uh, others closed on site, hairdressers, uh, car washers. but locksmiths can stay open. As I say, it really is, when you start to weigh it up, pretty significant. So here's the Prime Minister just explaining that impact on the national economy.
1: The additional restrictions in Victoria in August and September um, is estimated to reduce the size of the real economy, real GDP in the September quarter by between seven and nine billion dollars. This is a heavy blow, a heavy blow.:
0: So you can almost hear there the exasperation in the Prime Minister's voice about what's taken place in Victoria exasperation, despair maybe, but what he knows is that there's a human cost and certainly there's a harsh economic cost.
1: Now the combined effect of GDP on GDP or of the stage three and four Victorian restrictions through September quarter is expected to be in the order of 10 to $12 billion, detracting some 2.5 percentage points from quarterly real GDP growth
0: because the human toll is not just the actual loss of life which is the the terrible part of it it's also the loss of jobs
1: national unemployment rate is now expected to see the forecast peak of 9 and a quarter percent and may instead peak closer to
0: 10% and many of you often talk to me about well that unemployment rate that's not the real rate of unemployment well the prime minister knows that he addressed it today
1: but of greater concern as I've said to you before, is the effective unemployment rate. We know that the measured headline rate of unemployment does not tell the full story about what's happening with people's jobs, and I've been very candid with people about that. And it is estimated the increase in effective unemployment to be between 250,000 and 400,000. Now, that isn't necessarily people who have lost their employment, but it also includes those whose employment has been reduced to zero hours.
0: And finally, from the Prime Minister, you get a sense of the exasperation that perhaps we all share about coronavirus, maybe even about the response of the Victorian government and the predicament it now finds itself in. A predicament that many of us, only a couple of months ago, could not have ever imagined would have happened here in australia
1: but the task doesn't change we get on top of this issue in victoria and we band together and we make this work and we work together across the country to do the things we need to do to boost that demand to encourage that investment to rebuild our economy and to go forward
0: i thought i'd bring into this conversation somebody who I think really will be instructional, not only dealing with government, but also very much at the coalface when it comes to business and its response to the coronavirus, and especially those right now uh, in Victoria. And from the Australian Industry Group, its Chief Executive, Innes Willis is with me now. Innes, many thanks for your time, as always. Just the Victorian government, uh, and with these closures, and with a quarter of a million people effectively uh, told that there is no work for them now, is it the only way the Victorian government could have gone
2: about this? Well, we are where we are, but it's a pretty blunt instrument that the Victorian government is wielding at the moment, and it will come with enormous economic consequences. What we are really seeing from a business perspective is a Victorian phenomena. The rest of the country is handling this in different ways, and not all of those are good ways either, That. Uh, Victoria is certainly getting the worst of it, which I think is pretty much universally regarded as being able to be tracked back to hotel quarantine. But to basically shut down huge swathes of business across Melbourne and, and also in across regional Victoria is a huge economic burden that they are, they are imposing, not just on Victorians, but on the rest of the country as well. So we've argued for a long time that the response to the virus should be local, uh, logical and proportionate and this is a, a, a sledgehammer approach really that's been taken by the Victorian government and um, you know, businesses will be shut for at least six weeks um, and then a lot of business owners are going to have to make some hard decisions about whether they can or want to reopen after that knowing that it's going to be pretty slow and soft in Victoria you know, for months after that.
0: Given the fact that the government already has a moratorium on directors being able to trade insolvent, so in other words, normally they're not allowed to do that, but at the moment the government has given them an exemption to try and get through the other side of the coronavirus, do you think it's the case, and I spoke to uh, an accommodation provider in Melbourne the other day who simply gave up the ghost because he said, look, I'm not coming out of this, and so put himself into voluntary administration. Are you fearful that there is you know sort of dozens or even hundreds of other firms in victoria that might have a similar predicament
2: well i think it's quite likely we'll have not um dozens to hundreds but hundreds to thousands will be in that situation uh, this is the second lockdown uh, it's got a different feel to it actually this time um it's a very harsh lockdown and um Nobody knows when it will end. So the issue, really, the longer-term issue for policymakers is going to be how do we deal with the virus, how do we live with it and adapt to it. But in the meantime, business owners are going to find it very hard. Uh, areas like you just mentioned, tourism and accommodation and events, you know, they're not likely to happen um, in Australia and certainly not in Victoria. Perhaps for years we're seeing estimations that international travel won't resume until... 2025, so big parts of the economy are going to be hurt by this and then you work through you know, the industries and the sectors that supply tourism and accommodation and you work backwards from there. The other point to remember is that over 90% of manufacturing businesses in Australia employ 20 or less people. And what that's telling you is that there are a lot of family-owned manufacturing businesses out there so those sort of decisions that they'll have to make too about resuming and restarting are going to be very difficult. So um, um, the government has given a moratorium around insolvency, but you know, our fear is that we that a lot of business owners will go down that path and we will lose a lot of capability and talent as a result of that to our economy.
0: What you've described as a sledgehammer blow by the Victorian government What option did they have, do you believe? What was a a preferable way to go about trying to implement the sort of lockdown that was required to prevent the spread of the coronavirus without necessarily having such a significant impact on the industry?
2: Well, the argument that they have put forward is that what they're trying to do is reduce people movement. Um, An alternative approach may well have been to attack the problem at the source, and that's primarily... Uh, working through uh, the aged care sector where most of it has been uh, and then there have been outbreaks small outbreaks in individual companies and some of those have grown so you just have to deal with those uh, as has been done till now but there's obviously been real issues around contract tracing and the like the methods to try to sort of rein the virus in so um, there's a there's a strong view that you know that that approach of, of, of of building that up should have been followed. But to shut down businesses far and wide has um, caused a lot of damage and it's caused a lot of bemusement. I mean, businesses have been told to close that have had no cases and that have been operating with a COVID 19 plan since March um, and now they're being told to close. Uh, that has um, surprised and shocked a lot of business owners that they've been put in that situation. There are businesses in areas where there are. Very few cases um, um, since March have been told to close, that has surprised them as well. So, the more localised and I would say proportionate response was probably the best way to go. And as I said, this is a, almost a uniquely Victorian problem. Other states have done it differently. The you know the border closure um, strategy of Queensland and Western Australia and South Australia has been effective in stopping the virus but over time it will also be effective in choking off those economies as people can't move around Um, and that's going to create longer term difficulties as well.
0: One thing that a lot of people might underappreciate is that Victoria being one of the manufacturing hubs of Australia is clearly a key in the supply chain of the nation so if you've got a close down of some near-essential industries. It means that other industries in other parts of the country are also affected simply because they won't be able to get the supplies to make their own products. And that is where the national economy could feel the effects of the Victorian lockdowns.
2: Well, Victoria makes up 23% of the national economy, but it is very strong in manufacturing and also in agriculture. Victoria has been the food bowl for the country for... Uh, much of the last year or so uh, as drought has impacted so the Victorian economy just doesn't stop at the Murray. It goes beyond and it reaches right into um, the rest of the country. Victoria has uh, I think perhaps the, the most active and largest container port in the country for instance. Um, it is vital in the supply chain right across the nation and um Victorian businesses or Victorian-based businesses just don't operate in Victoria. They operate nationally and internationally. And that is why, as a result of these closures, businesses that do operate in other places are going to undoubtedly take some of the business out of Victoria and move it elsewhere. And contracts that were um, up for grabs will be lost to Victorian businesses and will go elsewhere. So. The ramifications from this are going to be enormous, and they're going to be felt right across the Australian economy. The real problem is that Victoria, being such a driver of the economy, one third of the nation's jobs since 2015 were that have been created were created in Victoria. Um, but w- the problem with Victoria sort of being impacted in this way means that it's pretty much going to become the, nas- the nation's laggard when it comes to the economy, and that's going to have much broader impacts on uh, on the national economy as well.
0: There's no doubt these are sobering times, not just for business, but also for the workers of those businesses. And then also, as we're talking about today, the national economy as well. Innes Willicks is the chief executive of the AI Group, the Australian Industry Group. Um, always great with his time. And Innes, in tough times, I really appreciate your time today.
2: Thanks, Ross. Stay safe.
0: So that's today's episode of The Money Minutes. Sorry it wasn't happier. Let's hope it is next time. Your comments are always welcome. In the meantime, I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.